0: With CX and Chill, Stephanie Todd. Today I'm going to be your captain when we talk CX with the CXO of Pacific Life, Ryan Hart. Stay tuned to learn more about a customer-centered culture, what you really need to focus on in terms of commonalities between businesses and how you can really look at customer research within your own organiza- organization. Organization.
1: <laughs> oh wow, you did it, you did it great. Yeah, just oh. cut the
0: organization. Oh.
2: Welcome to CX and Chill, the real, raw customer experience podcast from EXO Studios and ExtendOps. Today's host, Stephanie Todd, interviews Ryan Hart, Chief Experience Officer of Pacific Life. In this insightful discussion, Ryan shares valuable perspectives on customer experience and its implementation, from the role of external consultants to the importance of fostering a customer-centric culture. Join us as we explore the dynamic world of CX and uncover the key competencies required for success. CX and Chill starts now.
0: Hi, I'm your host, Stephanie Todd. Welcome to CX and Chill, another episode. Today we're joined with by Ryan Hart. Ryan, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Tell
1: us sure. about your background. Thank you, Stephanie. Good to see you again. Uh, my name is Ryan Hart. I'm uh, Chief Experience Officer right now at Pacific Life and uh, former uh, Big Four Consultant. And so I've been in the customer experience and strategy space for 10, 12 years now.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So how did you get into it in the first
1: place? Uh, I've always had jobs that are around the customer, either customer acquisition or customer strategy type roles. Um, never really in the marketing space, so to speak. I guess when you look at a lot of companies, a lot of people start in marketing because that's really where our customer experience, very nascent customer experience starts um, because they, they, they seem to think, if you're marketing to customers, you must know about customers. But I think customer experience as a practice, which has evolved a lot over the last five or 10 years, it's uh, become more sophisticated around understanding what are the latent needs and desires of customers. And so I've always been in kind of that space, trying to understand how we can align with customers' needs and expectations.
0: Sure, so kind of as a consultant, you're bringing another point of view to those businesses that you go into, right? Because you said you're yep. a mercenary of sorts, right? Yep,
1: well, that's a that's a really good analogy, I guess. I, if you think about it, uh, what I do now is, a, is I'm a mercenary where I work in between. So it's kind of almost becoming a, a cliche word nowadays, which is uh, fractional. So I'm a fractional sure. chief experience officer. So I may work a portion of my time across multiple organizations. And the real value that I bring as an external consultant is um, that I'm bringing an ex- external viewpoint of, of the business and what other companies are doing things well and what's global best practice. Um, one of the uh, one of the senior stakeholders in my current company um that i've talked was talking he summed it up really well he said if you're in the jar too long then you no longer can see the label Mm -hmm. and i think that you know people that have worked in a one company for their whole career their whole life oftentimes don't see the forest for the trees and they think that um, maybe what they're doing is 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 the best way to do it but there's just so many other good ways out there and i think uh It's always good to have an external consultant come and and tell you, you know, how other companies are doing uh, during things. And um, people often say that a consultant will borrow your watch to tell you the time. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you think about it, that from that perspective, there is some value in that.
0: Mm -hmm. So you talk about you've been in multiple industries across multiple companies. Are there current like trends that are happening today that you see across all of them? Or do you see a lot of change based on the industry that you're supporting?
1: Um, I think they, they often flex with the market. So if you think about, you know, financial services. So financial services will have ebbs and flows and they'll have ups and downs. And so sometimes when you think about financial services, often if they're investing and they're they're trying to be innovative and drive new innovations Mm -hmm. um or digital transformations oftentimes they will uh they will be investing heavily but then after you know this this recent banking crisis uh with you know silicon valley bank and and others Mm uh you start to see them pull back a little bit so then maybe there's other industries that are going well um i have worked in in airlines Uh, i've worked in uh you know pharmaceuticals a number of different industries and i think probably healthcare and, and pharmaceuticals and, and things around that space are people's health tend to be pretty stable just because mm-hmm. people are always going to need medications and they're always going to need health services. So. Sure. So
0: yeah. when you're working across them I and you look at some of those trends or across mm-hmm. the industries, are there things that you think, oh, wow, this is something that all of them tactically, like for the people listening, you sure. can apply rather, like, rather easily or some easy fixes or some sure. like bigger mindsets that they just need to be thinking about when they're looking at changing CX within
1: theirs? Uh, yeah, I think it, it always starts with the customer, and, and I guess if I always had, if I was able to get a dollar for every time that I heard someone say, well, we know what the customer wants, or mm-hmm. we, we've yeah. developed this product or this service, and then basically they come back to consultants and they say, well, actually, um, we need to actually market better to customers because we created mm-hmm. a really bad product that doesn't align with customer service, okay. or what customers actually need and want. So, like, how can we actually market it better to them so they'll buy this product that they don't really need? I think, going back to answer your question, I think that uh, customer research is so critical. And I've never seen, I've never met a company that does enough customer experience research mm-hmm. to really understand how our customers going to use their product, how do, what are the needs that they're trying to solve for, the problems in that person's life. And so I think um, for me, trying to unlock that latent need and those latent needs and desires so like what are customers not telling you that they really need that you can find a really good uh place to to deliver value in their life
0: mm-hmm. yeah. so so from a customer experience research standpoint you know yeah. we've talked about you know henry ford's quote of do yeah. customers really know what they want when they talk about you know more horses versus sure. the, you know higher horsepower car yeah. you know whatever yep. yeah um and so when you think about that how do you conduct research in a way where you're going to pull the the right information out if maybe they don't know what they need or want?
1: Well, that's a really good, that's a really good conundrum. I mean, people need to reconcile the idea. It's like, oh, but you have Apple. Apple basically said that we know what customers want. We're Mm -hmm. going to create this product or service for them. What happens is you basically are not, customers are not going to tell you that they need a car if they don't know it, it, it exists, right? So you have to you have, that's why, you know, you're in a company, you're being paid to, to uncover what are those insights that they're not telling you in those breadcrumbs, whatever, to say, okay, this is what they're saying. Then draw a dotted line back to your capabilities, like what you can deliver for, you know, either by technology or service or, or something um, that will actually unlock value for them. And then that's really where the magic is. And so it's really hard. It's not it's easier said than done because obviously... You know, uh, if it was that easy, then everyone would be would be you know creating multi million dollar products and services. But mm-hmm. um, you know, if you if you basically listen to your customers and then you say, oh okay, you told me that you that you uh, needed a, you know a, a faster horse, but we have the ability to create a car. Mm-hmm. So then, why don't we create something that will help you with your transportation that will solve mm-hmm. that po- that problem for you?
0: okay great and then i know one of the other things that has come up before is Mm -hmm. you've talked about across every company there are some of those main kind of commonalities um that come across um Mm -hmm. do you want to talk a little bit more about that
1: what do do you mean about that sorry
0: in terms of Mm -hmm. like all of them need to have customer research when you're doing strategy or experience design you kind of came across those main five categories of what people need to implement
1: sure so what i meant what i meant when we were talking about that was the good thing about customer experience is that it's pretty much applicable no matter where where you're applying it. So it's whether if you're actually talking about an airline or a retailer or a manufacturer, basically you look across any of those companies in, in the same kind of, uh, the same you know methodologies and tools and, and thinking apply. Mm-hmm. So if you were to think about as a company, if you're starting very early and you're just trying to build this customer experience capability, really we see that there's five key capabilities or competencies that we say that most every company that's a customer experience leader Mm -hmm. so to speak uh has and they do well and so if you look at like uh you know marriott or google or or amazon i mean all these companies consistently do five things and those five things are they have a really strong research capability which is i think is it's almost at, at its core you you start with research then you're able to uh, basically prioritize your your and your allocate your resources based on on what the research is telling you. Uh, then you start designing. So you design the right experiences for your customers based on what they're telling you. So uh, these design capabilities then allow you to bring to life this customer experience vision that you have. Um, once you have a vision that you've prioritized, that you research, prioritized and designed for, then it's about an enabling. So oh, nice. an enablement is the fourth one. And that's actually allowing, giving the tools and technology and the, uh, the capabilities to your staff or your team to be able to deliver on this vision. Mm-hmm. Um, the fifth one is then at some point the CEO or someone's gonna come and say, well, we're investing in this, What are we? what's the return? So you need to be able to measure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So measuring uh, these, um, you know these interactions. Are we if we make a change on the website? If we make a change in our service service flow or something, are we seeing a uh, uh, bump in um, sales or uh, mm-hmm. or acquisition or what have you? And then wrapped around that is culture. And so culture, without the right culture, really any one of these competencies will fall apart. So you have to have a customer centric culture, and customer centric culture takes a long time to create mm-hmm. or foster. Oftentimes. Um, you know, I talked to Microsoft once and they told me that's going to take them seven years to create, to create mm-hmm. a customer-centric culture because it's, it's just like a, a large ship and we're on a small boat here, but yeah. if you're on a large mm-hmm. ship, it's like pivoting on a, on a, it doesn't pivot on a dime. So you got to, to change the whole organization takes time. Mm-hmm. So I would say a minimum of maybe, you know, one to three years just to even begin to become more customer-centric.
0: Yeah. Well, and when you look at startups who, Mm -hmm. you know, their culture is usually pretty tight-knit because they have a lot more control, but then as you grow in scale, that's going to change. And so, you know, kind of looking at that from a cultural perspective, how, like some of these big companies, do you go in and help them with some of that? Like, what have you seen in terms of how do you impact that and measure that over such a long period of time? Sure.
1: Well, I think if, I think that's a really good point, Stephanie. So when you talk about a company that starts from, let's say, a startup, it starts, you know, very tight knit. Maybe it starts in someone's garage, and their culture is very ingrained in everyone. Mm-hmm. But as you as you get bigger and you begin to scale, the distance you are from that where you started to where you are, you know, three or five years from that mm-hmm. from that point, then becomes you know it dilutes that that initial culture. And so oftentimes, what we find is is really to make people still excited about uh, about why the customer why the company was started, um, how we're helping customers, how we're helping society. I think it's, a, it's about rallying around a purpose, and so having a really clear purpose of what why, why was our company established or why, you know, why are we, uh, why are we um, even doing business today? So what like, major societal problem are we solving for? And then I think it's helping people understand why that's relevant for them in their life. So oftentimes you have a lot of people, and I talk about it about like a frozen steak, you have a lot, of the senior management that are going to these conferences and reading Harvard Business Review, and they understand why customer-centricity is important. Then you also have people on the front line that are answering phone phone calls in a call center sure. or um, talking to customers, and they understand why it's important. But you have, like, this frozen middle of people. It's like some people call it, like, the permafrost, that they clock in at 9, they go home at 5. They're like, why do I need to change my job? Why do I need to be customer-centric? Because getting... To those people, you really need to understand what's the purpose and why is it relevant to them, and how is it going to benefit them for being, you know, uh, more focused on the customer.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially when they get so large, they have so many customers. It's hard to yeah. really focus and care about each interaction. Which yeah. is it really depends on the company culture, who you know, if they're yeah. focused on it or not.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, Obviously, the bigger the company is, the harder that is to, mm-hmm. to retain that culture.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you talk a lot about research. So, yeah. tactically, what kind of tips or advice? Like, how do people go and conduct the research? Like, are they using like SurveyMonkey? What kind of tools or tac- tactics can you give them for yeah. them to be able to go do that?
1: Well, oftentimes, when we talk at uh, really small, smaller companies, they may do something very, um, almost guerrilla type SurveyMonkey or something like that, which is, you know, requires a lot of maybe, uh, hands-on you know almost like uh you know paper-based type work mm-hmm. to get serve to do surveys but as you
0: like clipboards on yeah, a street could yeah, be yeah. could be
1: <laughs> yeah it could be uh could be quite gorilla but um as the company gets larger then they've got platforms for that like um you have like medallia and qualtrics, qualtrics and uh, conferment and all these other large companies that have these these uh uh they're basically called CFM, like Customer Feedback Management systems mm-hmm. that basically allow you to take volumes of call data and emails and 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 be able to 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 abstract insights that you can help dictate you know areas of your business. Okay. Yeah.
0: Interesting. So have you seen anything come out of like I know the big buzz now is Chat GPT. Do you mm-hmm. see anything happening with that in the industry? Like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, so I think it's just like any other new technology. So I mean. A lot of companies will always say that, you know, they, they, whatever the newest thing out there is, that they've got to find out about it and they've got to invest in it. Um, unfortunately, you know, whether it's blockchain or AI or, you know, GPT or, or what have you, even drones, it's not going to be applied for every business in every situation. So unfortunately, a lot of senior leaders will often say, we need to go out and chase that. We need to go invest in it. but when in reality that money's probably better spent and just doing basically blocking and tackling type things like to build out the practice have governance around it you know have like a really good secure feedback loop around the customers um designing those experiences in the right way and being able to action on those insights i mean those kind of basing blocking and tackling things that aren't sexy sure. not as sexy as like yeah. chasing the shiny thing in the, in the market mm-hmm. oftentimes we'll will produce a lot uh, a lot better return sure
0: okay Mm -hmm. Um, another thing I thought was interesting that you brought up Mm -hmm. was around culture so how do you make sure that based on where your customers are or the people supporting those customers have an insight on how those customers want to be served or delivered and how do you make sure you can do that based on their specific requirements like you had brought up Japanese culture and not wanting things delivered early as an example I don't know, do you remember that
1: conversation? Yeah, yeah okay. no, I do. Yeah. So, um, well, I think certainly in the United States, you see a lot of people that are very, has a very US-centric viewpoint, right? Yep. And so they assume that oftentimes those those people, um, you know, US companies often will think, how would, how would US customers react to this? And mm-hmm. what would US customers want? I think that is a very kind of almost a narrow viewpoint. Um, whereas if you, you think more broadly and you you know certainly in the world is becoming a lot more uh, diverse and inclusive mm-hmm. and, and a, fun, a real focus around accessibility uh, I think those are um, having a more open inclusive mindset to understand how it how would somebody interpret this with that doesn't speak English as a native language mm-hmm. how about someone who can't see you know that they don't have the same eyesight as, as someone that's you know uh, that's fully able for example sure. I think um, just being more open to understand that your assumptions or your biases um, sometimes can lead you uh, in not not always the best direction.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. And then, how do you make sure, like, that even at the very like lowest level, front mm-hmm. line, whether sure. it's delivering pizzas or it's delivering a product or service, mm-hmm. like, how do you make sure that then that's communicated and shared across that whole vision? Do you,
1: do, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, that's a whole another practice of, of customer experience communications. Mm-hmm. So being able to, once you're measuring all of these uh, interactions that you're having with customers, and you're getting all these insights, you need to communicate that to the organization because, yeah. you know, it, it certainly benefits more than just the customer experience team. So um, basically saying, okay, this is what's happening. This is what cus- c- com- our, our customers are telling us. And more importantly, this is how we're addressing it. And so Mm -hmm. it actually, people see that, okay, we're listening to customers and we're putting it into action. So I think that Mm -hmm. um, creating almost like a closed, closed loop feedback mechanism Mm -hmm. is important. Just as, just almost as important as um, getting feedback from customers.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about like, do you have any examples of just utter failures or things that you're like, oh man, either the company or you were were thinking, okay, we're going to go do this. And then it just... You know, something people can learn from, where they don't, sure. they won't make the same mistake or same like learning. I should say, not sure. not a failure, not a mistake.
1: Yeah. Well, I can't. I can't necessarily point to to one specific idea that I've no, sure. one big failure that I that I've uh, personally um, helped, I guess, generate or give birth to. But um, I, I've certainly been dropped into a lot of companies that are really messy, mm-hmm. and oftentimes what I see is that. Uh, you know there are a lot of people with good intentions doing a lot of things but um mm-hmm. the, at the end of the day they don't even have they don't really have a clear vision of where it's all leading to sure. and i think almost i would say almost 90 percent of the problems that i see in, in large companies or even small companies is just they just don't really have a clearly articulated vision of what they want to do right mm-hmm. i mean i understand if you're selling widgets you want to sell more widgets and you want to but i mean what's the bigger vision that rallies everyone that works at that company around that they Mm -hmm. can say no we're not just we're not just like selling mortgages we're helping people buy their first home and empowering them to live a a richer more uh you know more meaningful life Mm -hmm. and so it's like i I think that one of the the best uh, analogies that i've often used is i say that it's like going to the hardware store and saying no one goes to the hardware store to say this i want to buy a drill Mm -hmm. right because, I mean, if you bought a drill, you just go home and put it on your shelf like there's no point in that. But you say, okay, if I went to the to the hardware store and I bought a drill, it's because that person wants to, to make a hole. Sure. And you say, you, a lot of companies stop there and they say, okay, I sold the person a drill. They go home, they make a hole in, in their wall, but then it stops there. If you took that even one step further, it's like, why do you, why do you want to make a hole? And they say, oh, well, my stepmother is coming over this weekend and we don't have enough pictures of our kids in the uh, around the house and i gotta i gotta do i gotta put up a bunch of pictures then all of a sudden then you see okay it's more than just selling them a drill You're now it's like okay they need frames they need to think about maybe they need to think about how they're going to design their interior or or how that's going to complement their their existing um interior design i mean there's just so many other things that so it becomes a much richer conversation.
0: Yeah. When it sounds like it's almost tied to an emotional experience. Totally. Right? The emotion of that end experience, not yep. necessarily putting a hole in the wall, but having that mother-in-law, her face, or maybe not getting into the doghouse. Yeah. Because your wife's mad that there's no pictures yeah, of and totally. she hears about it or whatever it is. But <laughs> We
1: only have pictures of your girlfriend, right?
0: <laughs> that would probably not go over well with the mother-in-law. No. no. But
1: um, if you think about it, I mean, everything, it's... it's most simplest i mean customer experience is about emotion yeah and um even when i was at when i was at forrester research we would often talk about um you know companies that don't focus on emotion on customers Mm -hmm. emotions ultimately will lose lose touch with their customers and a gap will begin Mm -hmm. to develop so um i think uh whether you're selling insurance or you're selling um, you know, Radio Shack or, you know, radios at Radio Shack, I mean, basically you have to align with your customers' emotions because you're basically helping them solve a need mm-hmm. um, and oftentimes that's an emotional need.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. And then how about something successful? Whether it was something you helped create or something at a company you were at or maybe something you experienced on your own. But it's an amazing example yeah. of customer experience that you've seen or been a part of.
1: Well. I'm really proud of the work that we did at Breeze Airways. Mm -hmm. And so Breeze Airways is a new airline that just launched in the United States on the southeast part of the U.S. Uh, And that was by the same CEO, uh, David Nealman, who basically started uh, JetBlue. Oh, sure. And so basically, um, so he started this new new airline called uh, Breeze Airways. And so he was so focused and his whole team was so focused because they launched it during the pandemic about getting up and running just from a compliance standpoint and regulatory that they had no time to think about what is our customer experience? What is our sure, guest sir. experience going to be? They call them guests. Uh, and so uh, just being a part of that and, and helping them, they came to us with pretty much a blank slate to say, hey, can you help us with our guest experience? Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know, we created a vision, we, let, we, we created a roadmap, we uh, helped them focus on like, what would the d- digital experience look like? What are some ideas for how we can improve the in-flight experience? Um, you know, and then you know we started with a small group of four people helping them. And then when we rolled off it about eight months later, um, you know, we had 17 people across seven work streams doing a ton of work for them. And mm-hmm. I think they're in a much better place now because of it.
0: Yeah. So a lot of it also sounds like it was bringing people together across functional groups yeah, too.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I have to laugh though too, because we talk customer sure. experience. And I do think that companies who do things well also focus on maybe you don't call that person or consumer a or customer right yep. so people always play around with cx or you know consumer experience or whatever and yep. it's funny i used to always say i think it's just xx because you don't yep. know is it patient experience is it customer mm-hmm. and then when you google that it, that's not a good term or a, a good analogy nimbly. to use like, yeah no. acronym it doesn't actually work that well so right. i've actually avoided that yep. but i do think it's a good point where instead of it being customer experience it's really 100%. is it member is it guest is yeah. it you know whatever that looks like you know uber is riders drivers everyone kind of has their yeah. name if it's not a true just like kind of basic customer and i think experience. that's
1: um that's a really good point stephanie because for me as well like i i'm i'm also a big proponent of, of being inclusive mm-hmm. i think customer experience is, is quite narrow my narrow you know near mm-hmm. you know narrow focused right now at Pacific Life, for example, I'm pivoting. It was this, when I came in there, it was the CXO, which is the customer experience mm-hmm. office. And I've now dropped the C and I told everyone we're the experience office. Because... So you match
0: EXO Studios then. EXO. Exactly. oh, look at exactly. you. You're exactly. just so, you're so intrigued. You're like, I'm just going to copy you right. guys.
1: You left a big impact <laughs> on my life. What can I say? So basically, uh, so the, because it is, it's about partner experience. Yeah. It's about employee experience, about policy. I mean, it's like, everyone across that ecosystem. And so it's always best to be as uh, inclusive as possible. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So how about one of the things that we like to ask on the podcast is, you know, we talk about CX and chill, but one of the other hashtags is stay wild. So it's all focused on what do you do in your your spare time, for fun, or what do you do to stay wild? I know there's been some different interpretations of that question, so we've had some interesting answers. But keep
1: it PG. Yeah, Okay. okay. (laughs) OK. Definitely. (laughs) this is funny because David, who's the captain of the boat here, we were talking about this earlier. I mean, uh, I certainly, for me, I always listen to club music.
0: Which is surprising. I wouldn't guess that with, yeah. like, your very iron press. There's like, the captain, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he looks in- intoxicated. I'm a little concerned I, about I, it. No, I know. Why I'm just so kidding. Good. He has not been drinking. He has well, not I, been drinking, for the record. I, often
1: ha- I feel like I need to look back to make sure we're not going to run into anything. Uh... No, but I think we have the same taste in music, which I always listen to club music. And so it doesn't matter if I'm uh, driving the car with my kids or if I'm flying an airplane at like five in the morning, I always listen to club music because it just gets me up, uh, It gets me pumped up and ready for the day and for uh, everything ahead. So. Uh, I guess that's a PG answer. Okay.
0: Yeah. So while people are seeing you at the airport at four or five in the morning, they're thinking you just came from Vegas and didn't sleep because you're walking around <laughs> right. jazz I just walked out of the EDM. club, yeah. I just walked out
1: of the club right into the, the taxi to the airport. Uh, <laughs> it's perfect.
0: That's yeah. great. Yeah. It's
1: funny because I was listening to, I was on a flight, um, uh, I think I was flying to New York, actually, and I was on a, a flight and I was listening to, to music and, This guy also next to me was like, was Jim. I was like, oh, what kind of music are you listening to? And he says, oh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm also listening to club music. And I was like, oh, wow. And so Mm -hmm. we're chatting. Ends up, he's a, he's a really well-known DJ in uh, Mm -hmm. London. That was in New York for like a, a, or it was in California or something for a, a, a live show. Hmm.
0: That's so, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So what are those things called? Have you seen those parties where people get together and they all wear headphones but you no one hears anything because it's only in your headphones? Have that. you that's seen that? That's cool. No. I was kind of thinking we should do that on, on here but Definitely. we didn't get that. That sounds yeah. awesome.
1: Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. everyone,
0: it's I just look at really. the different kinds of experiences, how people can experience brands, how they're experiencing yeah. life differently and that's something fun I think that's that they've totally started cool. to do is how can you get into customers' emotions yeah. in different ways hitting their other maybe five senses versus just like an interaction where Mm -hmm. maybe it's a full emotion evoking experience i love that yeah Yeah. so maybe that's something you'll have to check out
1: that'll be our next part of our artist (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. we'll we'll
0: all be in headphones jamming (laughs) not knowing what anyone is listening to right yeah
1: in in spanish
0: in spanish Mm -hmm. yes i will we'll have to practice because i think both of us (laughs) are very bad at our spanish we're
1: muy mal or muy malo (laughs) we
0: we don't know okay so yeah because you speak what japanese too
1: I speak Japanese. Yeah, I speak Mandarin.
0: Mandarin, okay,
1: yeah. Uh, Nepali.
0: Okay, what's the funnest word out of any of those? Most fun.
1: Uh, I think my famous, my favorite word is "chazelig." Okay. It's Dutch. Okay. And this is very "chazelig," which means that you're very cozy. It's like very cozy. Sure. You're with friends. It's nice and warm, chill. A little bit of music. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great word. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for being thank on our show. Thank you so much. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we look forward to our next episode. Hopefully you enjoyed this one and uh, we appreciate you
1: being on the show.
2: Thank you so much, Stephanie. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. And that's our show. CX and Chill is a production of Exo Studios, the creative marketing arm of ExtendOps. With today's host, Stephanie Todd. Executive producer, Sean McCreary. Producers, David Speer, Clarissa Coronado, and Memo Davalos. Editors and videographers, Carlos Alfonso and Santiago Aguirre. Graphic support from Jordan Madrid and social media guru Claudia Corona. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out next time for more CX and show.